for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. So is there any shred of you at this particular week, this particular point in December in the football season that just pines for the days of yesteryear when you had to plan all these flights and go to all these places and travel and see the world? A little bit. Really? 2021 was really fun. Yeah? It was exhausting. Coast to coast, baby. Yes. It was exhausting, but it was really fun. And if, you know, flying wasn't such a nightmare because of how shitty the airlines are... It would have been even funner. Uh, I got stranded in Philadelphia. We, you know, joked about. And then the next time, uh, Jen and I just said, fuck it, and drove to Bozeman, Montana, instead of trying to figure out a way to fly, fly into and there. And before those two weeks, you went out to California. Sacramento, Sacramento. the week before that. Yeah. You know, and they did have a home game in the first round when they were unseated. Um, that was fun. Uh, you know, it's always fun when you get to see a new place. I had never been to Philadelphia. I had never been to anywhere in California in my life. Oh, my God. For whatever weird reason, I had just never set foot in California. So uh, It's probably not in the top ten places to go to and California. It was, and it was terrible. <laughs> the, the weather in Sacramento was almost identical to what it was in Sioux Falls. Yeah. I get yeah. there, it was 40 degrees and raining. They call it Cowtown for a reason, by yeah. the way. Um, and their facility wasn't very nice. It rained all through the game. Were there ever any mountains over there? Could you see mountains? I don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> I got there, found my hotel, got drunk, woke up the next day, went to the game. You need to go to California home. again. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't feel like I experienced California <laughs> you in any did way. not. Um, but it was still fun. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Philadelphia was fun. Villanova is basically a high school field. Uh, but the campus is beautiful. It's in suburban Philadelphia, kind of hidden away. There's, it's surrounded by Civil War area mansions, you know, just ridiculous structures. Um, and, uh, you know, to see that campus was fun. To see the city of Philadelphia was fun. You know, I went and saw the Rocky statue and yeah. the library and all that stuff. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Did you run up the stairs? Did you I, run up I them? walked up the stairs. And then hold both of your nope, arms nope, over your head? No, I did. There okay. were a lot of people there doing that. Of course. Apparently, I'm told there's like n almost never a moment where I, that isn't going on. People running up the stairs, getting their picture taken with the statue. They've moved the statue. It's no longer at the top of the stairs. It's now down off to the side. I think it was just there for the movie. Yeah. And then as soon as the movie ended, right. they put it down on the ground. Right. Anyway... That was a lot of fun. And then the trip to Montana, like I said the other day, was you know, kind of a, a mini vacation pre-Christmas for me and Jen. And the weather was beautiful and the facility was amazing. The electric atmosphere. Yeah, we had an absolute blast. The only thing about it you know, that, that wasn't amazing was that the Jacks lost the game. Uh, and so we didn't get to go to Frisco. Yeah, somebody flipped off Jen one yeah. foot away, and she took well, the picture was, of it. I think that someone flipped off Mason McCormick, and, oh, okay. and Jen got a picture of it, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of <laughs> went, yeah. went viral or lived in infamy. Or whatever, but uh, yeah, um, no, that was fun. Uh, but last year was was nice because it was like, okay, we're just going to kind of post up here in Brookings for the yeah. playoffs, and that was great to not have to worry about making any of those arrangements. Not having to spend a bunch of money and wait for your company to reimburse you for it a month later, all that shit. Um, 
and this year there is a, it's funny you bring that up because when it was obvious they were going to get the number one seed it's like oh sweet you know we got another year of just sitting at home hosting these playoff games but then I did kind of you know when the Fargo guys got to go to Bozeman last week because the Bison were playing Montana State I had a tinge of jealousy I was like man I really like going out there that was fun Although they get, they went out there when it's brown and dry, it's not nearly as cool when it, when there's not snow, snow on the ground and the mountains and everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm almost I find myself almost looking forward to next year. Certainly not suggesting the Jacks can't be the number one seed again next year, but right now it looks like that'd be a a, a tough a tough thing for them to do. So it, it could potentially be fun. I mean, non conference they they play at Oklahoma State next year. You know, I'm excited to go to that game. These non conference games shouldn't count toward what the committee decides. It probably won't. unless you unless right. they win. I was going to say if they beat unless Oklahoma State, win. that'll be a big deal. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying it, it is uh, traveling to the Valley games, which I don't do as much as I used to. Okay, whatever. You know, depends on where you're going. Yeah, the best facilities are are Fargo and, and Grand Forks and USD. Basically, I mean, you know, the the trips to the same Valley teams over and over again kind of lose their luster a little bit. And I'm not trying to, you know, I, I actually probably sound a little spoiled by saying that because getting a chance to travel for Division One football games doesn't suck. But getting to go to some of these other places, new, it's no different than the players and coaches saying, you know, when the playoffs come around, hey, we'd rather not play a conference opponent right away in the playoffs. We want to play somewhere, someone new, go somewhere different. So, yeah, yeah, I do kind of miss that a little bit this time of year. Uh, yeah. But it's cool to see Villanova come in. It was cool to see Mercer last week, a team we didn't know anything about, uh, to hear from a different coach that we'd never met before, to get the perspective of players who didn't know anything about South Dakota State. Uh, if you saw any of the clips from the postgame press conference after SDSU's 41 nothing win, you heard, <clears throat> I think you could glean from the comments from both the coach and the two seniors they brought that they came into that game very curious you know, I don't think they. I think they knew they were going to get beat pretty soundly, but I think part of them was like, "Well, how good are these guys really?" You know, they're from South Dakota. How good can they be? They made a couple of references to references to. Well, we got a lot of speed down in the south. You know, we don't know. Like, I think there was a little bit of. Well, let's go find out what this is all about. <laughs> and I don't mean. I, no, I don't mean in a disrespectful yeah. way. Because, uh, like I said, I think they knew they were going to lose. You're not number one right. in the nation. Twenty six wins in a row. I gotcha. Uh, but you could tell they were kind of like, "Wow, well, now we know." Like that, this is this is what it's all about. That Southern SEC mentality. Yeah. That Nebraska used to deal with it, and rightfully so. Yep. Back in the glory days, before they were beating Miami and Florida. Well, they never beat Florida State and Florida teams like that. Yeah, of course they were. They thought they were the center of the football universe with all the speed, and they were right until Nebraska figured out a way to beat them. But you We've would think, like this. after SDSU wins a national title, like there wouldn't be much mystery. But I don't think I, well, until you I, see it up close, I guess not. That's what I'm saying about the mystery, though. Like I said, I'm not saying that Mercer thought they were going to win. I'm not saying that yeah. at all. Uh, you could just tell that they genuinely wanted to find out, like, well, w- what is South Dakota State all about? What makes yeah. them so good? What? How, how are these guys so good? And you heard their players talk about, like, you know, these guys don't make mistakes. You know, these guys play sharp. And, and I think that's the difference, you know. It, it's very similar to when USF was winning all these championships under, under Kalen DeBoer, who obviously now where he is. <laughs> all he does is win. Yeah, but, I mean, th- there was always this, like, well, what's the secret? What's the trick? You know, is there some sort of fluky thing going on? Like, no, like, they're better at their jobs than you are. Yeah. You know, you, you don't think USF ever beat some teams that had more athleticism than them? All of them did. Not not in the G Pack, but when they you know when they got to the national playoffs in the in the NAI level, yeah, they're playing all these schools that 
half their roster was made up of D1 transfers and guys that had flunked out of Big Ten and SEC programs. And, and they thought, like, oh, geez, a bunch of white guys from South Dakota. You know, we're going to kick these guys' ass. And USF would trounce these teams. And I talked to USF coaches and players, players who are now coaches today, Dusty Havorka, you know, now the yeah. been an old coordinator for the last 15 years. I can remember Dusty telling me, we play teams sometimes that we watch the film and go, like, what are these guys doing? You know, and that's certainly not the case with Mercer or any of these other schools. But the greater point is, like, there's something to be said for execution. There's something to be said for doing everything right all the time. And when, and I think that's, you know, Jacks fans get upset about, say, Youngstown State's quarterback a few weeks ago made the comment, well, SDSU's nothing special. And SDSU, both players and fans, got all pissed off about that, and understandably. But I think I know what he meant. I, I, I think what he was saying is these guys are not – absolutely freakish athletes these guys were not getting recruited it's not like sdsu was beating florida state and michigan to recruit these guys i'm working on a story right now about how almost all of sdsu's best players had no other division one offers these guys were choosing between sdsu and augustana and mankato and now they're winning fcs national championships they might be one of the top 30 or 40 college football teams in the entire country well, of course they, go ahead sorry well they're go doing ahead. that because of how well coached they are because of yeah. how solid they are how they don't make mistakes how they do everything right how they never have letdowns how all these clichés we always hear about and to to hear mercer's players and coaches talk about like yeah they were impressive you know they're good athletes they're good players but you know, so are we. I think that was the implication is we didn't feel like those guys are faster than us or bigger than us, but they're a lot better football players than we are because they are better trained, better coached. And right. that's a hard thing. It took them, it took them 10, 15 years to reach that level. And there's a lot of other teams that have a long way to go to get there. Yeah. South Dakota state might not blow you away with the eyeball test, but they're good at everything. Yeah. There's really no weakness and they're just good. They're good. Not great at everything. And it all adds up. And as you said, they don't make mistakes and they look like the strong front runner. And I want to talk about Villanova, but I mean, the game of the week in the FCS is in Vermillion. Holy smokes. North Dakota State and USD on ABC. When I saw that on Sunday morning, and, you know, the Jacks get ESPN, great, but the Yotes got ABC. Mm -hmm. And I don't read many message boards or social media, and I, I you probably do occasionally because you're more entrenched. But I thought, boy, how are Jackrabbit fans going to react to this? Because I think SDSU's been on ABC once, and that was a Twice, national, and twice. it was in Frisco both times. Both in yeah, national yeah, title yeah. games. Yeah. And, you, and what does USD to do to earn it? Well, they have North Dakota State coming to Vermillion. Right, I mean, right. this is it's on ABC because of North of that, Dakota State. That I, that I can't, they get ABC in their place. Yeah. Opposed, I never thought of that and, but they get yeah. And my, I, I think the theory is easy. It's North Dakota State. That's why. they decide, ABC decided we'll have one FCS game it's on. It's likely to be the better game. And it's going to be a better game. Jacks but are 20-point favorites. The yeah, Bison are 6-point favorites. Of course. But I think it has a lot to do also with the NDSU Absolutely. brand name yeah. that they built for a decade. Uh, the game's close to selling yeah. out. We know why. Yes. Yeah, yeah of course. And I th and by the way, it should be an awesome game, but it, it's uh, it, it's mind-blowing stuff that I, I we all get it that this is kind of the week in between when the when bowls start and mm -hmm. when the regular season and the conference championship games ended and Americans love football, so what the F. Uh -huh. We'll put uh -huh. a little on ESPN and some on ABC, ESPN2, whatever. But still, I mean, it's just like... I, I saw them like, wow, Vermillion, the Dakota Dome, is going to be on ABC. On ABC yeah. And people are going to stumble into that. I yep. mean, people who might be bored and not have much going on, 
Uh, there might be a lot of holiday Christmas parties or weddings out there, but we're kind of like on the precipice of when it really gets hectic for Christmas season. Just got done with Thanksgiving and seeing families. Like there, there might be some open calendars uh -huh. and uh -huh. people just flipping around and, oh, if this is the only football we have on. Okay. Oh, yeah, North Dakota State, I know them. They, they, they're the dynasty. Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's really cool. And uh, I, I, I think it'll be a good show. I hope it'll be a good show. But you, it, it feels like coming from Bison fans and even Bison media, not only does it feel like a foregone conclusion that the Bison are going to win, but mm -hmm. it feels like some people are really giving USD the old, <laughs> I'm doing a hand motion there, yeah. on, uh, on how good they are and if they should be the number three seed and... Uh, how much merit there was to that victory in Fargo and their mm -hmm. schedule. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you're all ridiculous. I, of course, NDSU could win this game. They're probably a lot better than they were then. They know how to win playoff games, and mm -hmm. they've got some steam. But come on. I, I'm sure you've heard some of this. I've heard the whole NDSU ran out of time. They ran out of time well, against USD. Yeah. <laughs> well, because, yeah, because USD's lead was so big. They were kicking your ass so badly by halftime that uh, – yeah. And they waddled that, the clock away. Part of, yeah, that was part of their game plan. Yeah. And it will be again, and it will be a lot harder for them to do that. They're going to have to be willing, re ready to make some adjustments. Uh, I've kind of gone back and forth on this game. When the when the bracket came out, I kind of looked at it and said, okay, USD's going to have a tough enough time just getting by whoever wins between North Dakota and Sacramento State. And assuming they do win that, I probably like – whoever wins between Montana State and North Dakota State to beat the Coyotes in that quarterfinal game. That was my assumption. If you'd asked me a week ago today, I would have said, yeah, whoever wins North Dakota State, Montana State is going to win, is going to beat the Oats. Well, I liked what the Oats did against Sacramento State. That was a nice win. Um, Sacramento State's a good team, and that was a good win by USD. That showed me a lot because I think all of us were kind of like, you know, that was a losable game. I had a lot of people telling me all week, oh, USD is going to get beat. They're going to go one and done. They didn't. Uh, they stood up to a comeback from Carson Camp, of all people. Yeah. Uh, you know, Did some good things on both sides of the ball. Uh, I thought it was a really nice performance. And with North Dakota State, I mean, they beat Montana State on the road. That's certainly nothing to sneeze at. Uh, but they needed a blocked extra point at the end to do it. Exactly. They gave up a lot of points. Um USD's defense has been really, really good. Uh, I just don't know that uh, that NDSU, I don't care how much momentum they have. This is not your Easton Stick, Carson Wentz, North Dakota State team. It's just not. Uh, I think if you're talking about who, who do I trust more, NDSU's offense or USD's defense, I'm going with the Yotes defense. And then on top of that, you know, is, is North Dakota State, like I said, they just gave up 34 to Montana State. USD's offense hasn't been explosive necessarily this year, but part of that, again, is the way they've th – th their game plan, their approach. They've been very methodical, trying to shorten games a lot of times, re rely heavily mm -hmm. on the running game. But Aiden Bauman hasn't made too many mistakes. I know he doesn't have ridiculous statistics. Uh, I'd like to see what he can do if they open it up a little bit. Um, you know, look at – USD won at Fargo. Now it's in the, the Dakota Dome. Um, maybe North Dakota State will come out and smoke them. The, their, their players themselves said, after losing to them the first time, we just kind of assumed we were going to beat these guys. It was our homecoming. USD is usually not very good. We always beat these guys. You know, we dropped the ball. That's on us. And I don't doubt it. I'm sure that played a part in what happened. 
Um, so maybe they come out, they've got this momentum now, they're, they, they have revenge on their minds, all those things. They're not going to take it for granted this time. Yeah, if North Dakota State comes out and wins by two or three touchdowns, I certainly won't be shocked. Um, but, th- yeah, the way that just no one is even considering that USD could win this They're game. touchdown underdog. Yeah, but, I mean, also, and we've seen the, the Vegas odds on which teams, like, they're, like, of the eight teams remaining, I think they're eighth, maybe seventh on, you know, the best odds to to win the whole thing. Um, it, it just doesn't, you know, I, I tweeted about it yesterday, we get so tired of teams saying, nobody believes in us, nobody believes in us. Hey, USD can say that this week. Yeah. Nobody believes it. That does, that's not going to win them the game. But, I mean, if they do win on Saturday, they will have every right yeah. to crow in the post-game press conference that nobody believed in us, and we did it, because right now it seems like nobody believes in us. Well, I mean, for a long time, the Jacks couldn't get over the Bison, but that was because the Bison were just a better program with just better players most of the time and mm-hmm. can do that, even if SDSU would beat them in the regular season. You know, talking late yes. 2010s, SDSU started to figure out how to beat the Bison, but not in the playoffs. 16, and then 18. I'm yep. sure when it came to the players, the coaches, certainly the fans, in the stands, especially if the games were in Fargo, it's the here we go again thing. Right. And NDSU became whatever NDSU was again. It was but the Jacks never got them in Brookings. It, yeah. yeah. And in the playoffs. In the playoffs. And yeah. then finally, uh, SDSU started to figure out how to do this, including mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But because uh, they because they finally had better better team, better players, probably better coaches. And uh, with USD, I mean, this is still uh, who knows if it's going to be a pop up year or not, or if it's going to be sustainable. But right now, they clearly you if you watch their games, you know they know what they're doing, especially that Sacramento staking. These are good players, these are good coaches, uh, but can it happen early in the game? NDSU is going to have probably half. Half the their fans will probably mm-hmm. be half the mm-hmm. dome, or almost. Their certain their presence will certainly presence be known. Be, yeah, yeah. If NDSU gets up early, which is entirely possible, and they start making the noise, then yeah, the collective psyche. I believe in this sort of collective yes. psyche energy yep. from the players and the coaches on the sideline to the fans in the stands. Here Everyone's we fucking go again. It's a little the, tighter. The, yep. And like mm-hmm. here's NDSU. They may not be as good, and they might might, might not be the NDSU of the 2010s. But they smell blood. But it, and it yep. fe- and it feels. Here we go again. Yep. So that could entirely happen. Uh, at the same time, if you want to just go back to what's real on paper. Uh, NDSU had a lot of chunk runs against Montana State. USD is one of the better front sevens uh, in college football, at least a really good one. So NDSU's probably going to have to rely more on Cam Miller. I haven't seen enough NDSU football to know if they can win games relying on Cam Miller and not just uh, ground and pound. Plug and chug. Statistically, Cam Miller's been tremendous this year. His passing completion rate. Yeah, Yeah. it's out of this world. Um, And I think everyone believes in Cam as far as, you know, his toughness, his leadership, those things. It's tough to be Cam Miller. I mean, all the quarterbacks before him have all these national championships, and Cam has one under his belt. But also, I think he's like 0-5 in his career against the Jacks. I mean, and it's obviously not on him. It's not Cam Miller's 0-5 against SDSU. It's just worked out that way. I don't know how good Cam Miller is, really. I mean, <clears throat> I like to think that I have a good idea of what I'm watching, but I'm not a scout. I'm not a tape head. I can't watch these guys and say, well, this, that, the other. You know, I just know he puts up really good numbers. I know his teammates believe in him. I know the Jacks have a ton of respect for him, so I'm assuming the Coyotes do too. But is he the same kind of, you know, sort of transcendental player that an Easton Stick or Carson Wentz or Brock Jensen were? Maybe not. And maybe that's what it. Maybe that's yeah. the part of the difference. He has a chance to make his mark. I mean, against a, against a 
if not incredible, a an excellent defense on the road. I mean, there's still going to be plenty of noise in the dome to mm-hmm. overcome there, an atmosphere that NDSU will have to overcome. And he and it chances are. The guys who watch a lot of NDSU games are right. They're not going to be able to just pound right at USD and, and win that way. He's going to have to make some throws. And if he does, well, then he's proven himself a little bit. And then he's going to get a couple more opportunities and bigger spotlights. And he can grow his legend. Um, you know, but the other side is how often is USD going to have the ball? They've been really good mm-hmm. at ball control. They did that in Fargo. Um, they did that well against Sacramento State and Travis Tice. One thing, again, the Bison experts say North Dakota State's vulnerable up the middle themselves on their defense. So USD should be able to run well on North Dakota State and well, if that's the case. Uh, A, that means they can control the clock if they can control the scoreboard and not fall behind by more than a touchdown. And they can control the line of scrimmage and, and they can set up the play action for Bauman. And there you go. I mean, there's a lot of... There's a lot of things that could be formulas for USD's win on Saturday, and I, but I I think that that is all overstating what some North Dakota State fans feel. Just I, do you still hear this? USD hasn't played anybody. I still hear that. Like who? You know, that North Dakota State hasn't played South anybody. South Dakota. That USD. Um, USD. I mean, well, like, they both got their asses kicked by the best team in the league. Okay. So there's that. USD played Missouri kind of tough. What was it, 35-10 yeah. or something? I mean, I think that I, I probably shouldn't read too much into it either way. They didn't get killed, but it's not like they threatened to win. Uh, NDSU's non-conference games were not against anybody special. Uh, what's NDSU's best win? You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, uh, you know. USD's best win is North Dakota State. Yes. They, uh, they also, also beat North Dakota, North Dakota, a playoff team. Yes. I believe they also beat Southern Illinois, uh, a playoff they team. They sure did. They beat the Youngstown season. State, a playoff team. Yeah. Now, you can say, well, those aren't that good. They made the playoffs. Yeah. And, yeah, the one t- the one team that beat them was the nat- the reigning national champions who also beat South uh, North Dakota State. Yeah, they beat the Bison a little bit worse than they beat uh, the Coyotes. Of the six best teams Very, in the MVFC... I said that backwards, but you know what I mean. Yeah, the, the top half of the league, six best teams. Seven. i, I, I got to go with seven. Uh, this, you mentioned South Dakota State, which NDSU... <laughs> SDSU's win over... The margin over USD was a little bigger, yes. And yes. that was in the Dakota Dome. Yes. Uh, but uh, then it was over NDSU. Yes, but NDSU was, did play the, the Jacks I, tougher than I, the Coyotes. Tougher, States. but I was at both games. You never got the feeling North Dakota State... Uh, I, maybe they belonged on the field, but th- there was, there was yeah. no chance. That, SDSU dominated that game. They controlled the first half, and then by mid-third quarter, they were dominating yeah. the game. That's why when the game ended and they the players just kind of nonchalantly walked over oh, to pick up the trophy because yeah. the game had been over for an hour. It was 20-9 to yeah. nine at halftime, and everybody yeah. there was kind of like, I mean, again, I was sitting around a bunch of Bison fans. There was no feeling on their part like, yeah. that, oh, this, we're coming Here back we to winning yeah. this game. And yeah. then, of course, SDSU scored an easy touchdown right out. Of, it was 27-9. to nine I think it was 30-9 to nine Early point. third yeah. quarter. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, USD has beaten the fourth best team in the league, North Dakota State. The fi- I'm sorry. Yeah, the fifth best team, North Dakota, twice. Uh, uh, sorry, just once, and uh, and then yes, yeah, Southern Illinois was pretty good, and 
So, so who do they not play that any skeptic would have to say they haven't played anybody uh, when it comes I, to I their schedule that, in this I league? I that narrative. Uh, I think USD's proven themselves to be worthy of their exact record and where they are, and but that's what's going to make this a hell of a game. I think if it was against a lot of other teams in the FCS, USD would be the favorite and their fans would be pretty confident. But because it's North Dakota mm-hmm. State and that mm-hmm. brand and that name, here we go again. That's going to be a lot of fun. Do you feel any? Uh, have you have you read or felt any animosity from SDSU fans that USD gets the the ABC game? Because with that, of uh, course, comes some great exposure for your program. There does, yeah, and I mean, it's in your home venue. I, I still think it's wild to think of any team from the Dakotas playing on ABC. First time the Jacks did it was the COVID year when they played in the spring, and I kept telling people like, "This is amazing. This is the channel I used to watch." Keith Jackson and Bob Greasy called, you know, Michigan against Notre Dame. And now I'm watching South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. That's unbelievable. Now the Yotes are doing it too. That's amazing. That's cool. Um, I do, you know, we talked about, I wrote a column saying, hey, a Jacks Yotes national championship would be cool. And a bunch of Jacks fans like, no, it wouldn't. I don't ever want them to have anything. And I get that. That's fine. But I'm surprised how many Jacks fans have said the reason they don't want that is because they're afraid it will allow USD to you know, rise up and be as good as them. Like, that's the reason? Like, I thought it was just because you're just petty. Like, fuck those guys, they're a rival. That, to me, is a better reason than saying, oh, if they get college game day or they get to be on ABC or they make it to a national championship, well, they might catch up to us. Really? You have that little confidence in, in Jimmy Rogers and his staff and Justin Sell and in Brookings, in your stadium, in your facility. Like, it's just, oh, all USD has to do is get on national TV a couple times and they're going to be equal to you. Like, that's, I, I don't understand that take at all. I mean, that's not what got SD. I realize it's like sort of a coincidence. SDSU is on college game day and then the next year they go to their first national championship and now they've been to another one and some of these other things. But that's not why. <laughs> you know, that college game day did not is not the reason SDSU has played in two national championships and they're going for their third. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to look at USD being on ABC or getting any sort of exposure or, or reaching the heights they're reaching this year and feeling threatened by that. Someone in the FCS has to be. You, you can't win it. You can't. It's not a one-team tournament. There's got to be someone else in in the FCS to be good alongside you. There's got to be a second best team, a third best team, a fourth best team. It's probably not going to be USD every year, but it might be this year. And I think that's worth celebrating and embracing. Um, if you're that afraid of it, uh, then that, to me, tells me you don't have that much confidence in your team to begin with. Yeah, h- how you measure the power, and I'm speaking specifically for college football recruits who may come to the FCS level, whether it be kids who are truly at that talent level, that's where they're going to go. They're going to go to the FCS or transfer portal guys that might be crawling on down from the FBS or coming on up from Division II. Whatever the case may be, yes, it's going to help out USD's exposure if they get their ass kicked. It, probably not. Probably not a whole lot. I think the Dakota Dome, we, we've all been there. People like to make jokes about it, but the, the, the view that you're going to get on TV is going to look pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you're going to see the new side of the stadium mm-hmm. and um, you know they'll, they'll present it well and so if usd hangs with them and it's a good game especially if they win i you you can't you can't measure that i think it could be a big step for their program that's the most possible exposure you can get true you know i mean yeah usd can can get tons of great exposure and and positive vibes and everything from their program 
doesn't mean it has to subtract from SDSU. No. I don't think Jimmy Rogers and Justin Sell are sitting there going, what's going to happen to us yeah. if USD gets this? No. I, 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 no, I doubt yeah. it. I doubt it. So, do you th- so uh, push comes to shove, do you think, who do you think will win that game? We know we, know, we neither of us will be surprised if either team wins. Yeah. I'm leaning towards the Yotes, and I'm kind of surprised to hear myself saying that. Because yeah. like I said, a couple weeks ago, I was kind of like, oh, wow, Yotes got a tough draw. They'll probably win their first game if they're lucky. And then, you know, if it was Montana State coming in, maybe I'd feel different. I don't know. But it's not Montana State coming in. It's North Dakota State. And, yeah, I, I think I'm leaning towards the USC. Yeah, I am too because from what I've seen, especially the recent weeks down the stretch with uh, UND and Southern Illinois, the way they played in those mm-hmm. games, uh, the way they took care of Western Illinois their final week. And, I mean, the last four or five games, basically since the South Dakota State game, They've looked like a foolproof football team against some really good competition. Mm-hmm. Last week was no exception. They can control a game. They can also get. They had a few big plays through the air themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had some. They had some easy touchdowns in that game. Uh, so I think they're for real. I think they're at home. And I wasn't impressed by what I saw by North Dakota State a month ago. Again, wouldn't surprise me if North Dakota State won the game. But if you uh, gun to my head, I'm going to pick yeah, USD. If North Dakota State does win, we'll probably be sitting here next week and going, well, what were we thinking that, that you know, NDSU would lose to a team like that twice in one year? Yeah. I think that's sort of the, the narrative that's tugging me in the other direction is how hard it is. We saw the Jacks, sure. could, the Jacks could never do it. Yeah. But again, every time the Jacks were in that situation, they had to go to Fargo. This is different. The Bison yeah. are coming here. And I don't want to say that the Bison are overconfident or anything because obviously this is the worst season they've had in a long time. But you do get this a little bit of a sense of, oh, we're back. You know, oh, for, yeah. forget about those losses. That was a different team. You know, we're back to being the Bison juggernaut of old. Well, are you? And this, this was after needing to block an extra point to preserve a victory right. against a team that... W- Had no Mon- quarterback either. Yeah. yeah. Both of them were hurt. There you go. Which, side note, hey, Montana State, you know why your quarterbacks keep getting hurt? Because you keep relying on running your quarterbacks all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's not bad luck. That's your game plan. Right, right. The, the, the really cool thing about all this is is it's part of a playoff system where they get to decide the games on the field. I, yeah. It's just... Uh, it's, the I, I now that I'm not in this college football broadcasting sort of industry anymore of having to go on a radio show in a college town like Lincoln, Nebraska every day, talk about this sort of stuff and analyze and break it down. Who should have been in the four uh-huh, teams? Uh-huh. What's the better playoff system? It's just it's just it, you kind of just shrug your shoulders and smile at. Look over here! Right. Isn't this nice? These two teams get to play on the field and uh, and decide it, and somebody's mm-hmm. going to earn it, and somebody won't. Instead of these uh, these petty arguments about who belongs in uh, the Mike Leach rant about committees uh, is, is you know is being recirculated over and over again. The part for the, the from the Mike Leach rant that I haven't seen is just how he laid it all out there about how you have these actual tournaments where teams mm-hmm. get to play each other. Um, so, I mean, like, I've got opinions on the four-team playoff in college football, but but now since we're here and we're watching where there is playoffs every year, and there, it, it, does it feel like there's any essence lost because, it, or especially when it comes to regular season meaning, that we get these playoffs in the FCS? You know what I mean? Because the argument was always keep the, keep the field limited in the mm-hmm. – 
at the top level because it, it detracts from the regular well, season. We have and these conference championship games; those are those are playoff games. Themselves. Right. Well, no, they aren't. Right. Florida State won theirs a and long they didn't time ago. Someone in the NCAA who was desperately trying to cling to the old way, yeah, thought up this phrase. We have the most important regular season in sports as a bullshit way to justify yeah. their bullshit system. Yeah. Nobody ever believed that that, that was worth defending. Yeah. Like we have the cool. So you're saying that you lose one game and your season's over? Yeah. How is that a good thing? Mm -hmm. Encouraging players by week three to go, well, fuck it, it's over. Yeah. There's nothing good about that. Right. So I never bought that as some sort of justification for the bowl system not having a playoff anyway. Now what they did this year, you know, tell Florida State that you know, it's the most important regular season. Really? Because yeah. we just went undefeated against a pretty decent schedule, and we're not in the playoffs. Yeah, like with the, say the Ohio State-Michigan game. Well, next year there would be a 12-team playoff. So say it was a 12-team playoff this year, or even an eight-team playoff, and you knew that Ohio State-Michigan playing that late in the season uh, at, at the big house, and we knew that one of those teams probably, thanks, Susie, uh, this was, that, that was kind of a de facto playoff game. Mm -hmm. Whoever wins is going to be in the playoff. Whoever loses, probably not. Yep. Would that take away the meaning if we knew that both teams were in the playoffs? Maybe, maybe a yeah, tad, but I a mean, little. we'd still watch the game. It would. St it's not like we're going to buy, you know, yeah. bypass watching the game. It's no. It's no less fun for us. The players aren't going to play any less hard. Um, Just you know, the rivalry side of it. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, th those games do mean something because even if it was a playoff field, say we actually get home games for these college teams uh, in yeah. FBS playoffs. Well, then th this is how it comes back to USD gets. How much did that win up in Fargo mean? Well, a hell of a lot because they right. get the rematch in Vermilion. Well, just look at SDSU. They, yeah. You, you want to talk about does the does the regular season matter in twenty 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 one? They were one of the three or four best teams in the country, but they didn't even get a seed. Because they fucked around and lost games they weren't supposed to lose. They went eight and three yeah. instead of nine and two or ten and one. So they didn't get a first round bye. They got one first round home game and then had to go on the road for three straight weeks. And I'm not saying they that Montana State wasn't a deserving uh, finalist that year when they beat the Jacks in the semifinals. But Montana State had been home through the playoffs, had a bye. The Jacks didn't. The Jacks were probably pretty exhausted by the time they got to Montana State for that game. I'm not making excuses for them. That's what you get for not taking care of business in the regular season. Yeah. So they got beat in the semifinals. Then Montana State goes to the national championship, gets blown out by NDSU. And the Jacks are sitting at home watching that game going, boy, we beat this team in the regular season, the Bison. Yeah. We probably would have given them a much better game in the national championship. Well, shouldn't have choked against Southern Illinois. Yeah. Shouldn't have lost to Northern Iowa. And then you'd have been home in the playoffs. So absolutely the regular season still matters when you have a playoff. Right. And if you look at how the FCS playoffs have played out the last few years, can we think of too many examples where it's like, oh, somebody didn't get in that would have been a threat to win the national championship. Right. Yes, there's teams every year that are on the bubble, but those are teams that are at best going to win yeah. a game. Um, every single year, the FCS has, for the most part, gotten it right in that when you get to the end, it's the best teams, mm -hmm. yeah. Regardless of what happened in the regular season, and they and they earned it. We didn't have to speculate what would happen if they played right. each other. Who wouldn't want to see Georgia or Ohio State in or Florida State mm -hmm. in these playoffs? Now, fortunately, next year we'll get to see it. Having said that, I mean, for a second, I want to I want to go back to what. Now, it used to be worse back in the day before there was even remember the BCS national title game and computers mm -hmm. would decide the best two teams and that would be it. Back in the yeah, old how'd days, they do that this year. Some people like say this is everything's diminished with these bowl games. Boo hoo! Uh, interestingly enough, back in the old days, like say the uh, 80s, 90s, pre 2000s, 
Michigan and Washington would play in the Rose Bowl for the national title. But <laughs> you'd be leaving out undefeated Texas, undefeated Florida State. Texas has a loss. But uh, oh, who'd they lose to? I don't know, but they have a oh, loss. Okay. Anyway, you, you, you leave out those That was the teams. whole point. Florida State has no losses, yeah. and they didn't get in. Right. And they Texas and Alabama have a loss. Back in the in. old days, the ACC champ would go to the Citrus Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, the game in Orlando, and uh, Texas would be going to the Cotton Bowl, and Alabama would just be going to the Sugar Bowl, which they might be going to anyway, because that's one of the two semifinal games. They are, but you know what I mean. Like It would even be dumber back then, or I don't know what the computers would decide if it was only a two-team playoff. So it's better than it used to be, mm-hmm. but, but what did you think of all this. I actually think they got the right four teams. I do I, I do feel that Alabama's a better team than Florida State. I watched the Florida Doesn't State matter. game. I get it. I know. It depends on what you're going off of. Uh, go the ahead. games have to matter. Yeah. Um, there are lots of years where you know you say, like like this year, baseball playoffs, the Dodgers got beat in the first round. You know, somebody who was it? the Orioles had a, won 109 games in the regular season. Yeah. They got beat in the first round. And then a bunch of people were complaining that we got to do something about these baseball playoffs. We, you know, we don't have the best teams in the, in the World Series. They had every opportunity. Yeah. They were in the playoffs and they got beat. Why even have playoffs if, you're, if your whole goal is to you want to have the best teams in there at the end? Like, I get it ideally, but the best teams have to win the games. Florida State went undefeated. Alabama didn't. Texas mm-hmm. didn't. Is Alabama better than Florida State? Probably. Yeah. But that's not the would point. You, yeah, I, I understand. So I think we're in two different conversations now as well because would you rather have seen Florida State and their backup or third string quarterback and the Wildcat just doing all kinds of goofy things? Probably not. But trying I also, to beat I would Michigan. rather have seen you know, the Dodgers and the Astros in the World Series yeah. than the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. Yeah. yeah. You know, but that, that's not, they didn't earn it. Those teams are more entertaining to me. I, I, I know more about them because they get more exposure. They were the better teams during the regular season. But that's not who got to the World Series. You know, when the Twins won it in 87, they, they were an 85-win team. They beat the Tigers, who were a 99-win team in the ALCS. The Twins might have been the seventh or eighth or ninth best team in Major League Baseball that year. They won the World Series. They're the champions. They earned that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, and th- that's obviously, you know, that's my favorite team, whatever. But that's what sport. That's why sports has all these tournaments. That's what Mike Leach is talking about in that rant where he's saying, "If this is such a great system we have, why are we the only ones doing it?" <laughs> yes, it was great. Yeah. yeah, no, it's terrible, and it's it's moving on to next year to something better. And by the way, Washington got theirs. They are they earned it easily, easily. There was no argument about them, which I'm glad there wasn't because the Pac-12 was actually they were really nine good nine point dogs or something yeah. going into that game. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, I couldn't believe that. Everybody was believing in Oregon. Well, because Washington wasn't just blowing. already beat once. And, well, they hadn't, and they just weren't barely blowing beat people Washington away. State the week before. But this is Kalen DeBoer. He just knows how to win games. I, he, he and his staffs always know how to win games. They don't know anything else. I tweeted it jokingly, but Holly Rowe asked him down the field. I saw that. She's like, yeah. it's so hard to go undefeated. <laughs> is it? <laughs> is it? He's only done it five times yeah. in his nine years as a college coach. Yeah, that was a hell of a game. Uh, by the way, if you're listening now, we did a whole, like, 20 minutes, half hour on Kalen and his success at Washington last week. Of course, Kalen got his start from Kim Nelson at Washington High 25 years ago. That's right. Sophomore coach. And of course, your Uncle Kim was uh, several years at Washington at that point, already well-established. And DeBoer got the job because Curtis Riggs had gotten that position and called Kim back a few (coughs) days later. Oh, Roosevelt offered me a full-time job. I've got to take that. Kim said, no hard feelings, no thanks. Do you got anybody else in mind? And Kaylin, or Ki- Curtis literally handed the phone. Mm-hmm. Here, talk to my roommate, Kaylin DeBoer. And that's how Kaylin got hired. And 
we know the, the rest, rest of history. history. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you did an excellent article uh, on Kim. Uh, the, the, I, I love those tribute slash legacy columns, and he's not quitting. He's not even retiring from football, but he is done with high school after 45 years, the all-time wins leader. And I know we're short on times. So that's why I just encourage people to read the article uh, because you talk to a bunch of different people who had great perspective. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what, you're the one that, that knew it, broke it. What do you? What have you made of all this? Uh, I'm happy for him. I think it was time. Uh, you know, things at Roosevelt had just gotten tough with. You know, half of his roster going to Jefferson and trying to dig out of that. Uh, I just got the sense that it wasn't as fun for him. Uh, he's always wanted to, not like he always wanted to get out of the high school game, but I know he was always wondering, like, could I coach at college? How would it go if I go coach in college? And I think the reason, and this, these are my words, not his, I think the reason he never did is because he always was maybe like, ah, I don't know if I really want to take a job where I have to recruit where I have to spend all that time out on the road doing the recruiting. Because that's, as you know, that's a lot. I think that always was kind of like, ah, unless something really great comes along, you know, I, I'm good here. And that's why he, he stayed there as long as he did. But now this is a perfect opportunity because he gets to go to a USF gig where it's a volunteer job. That's, I'm sure, why he was a, a attractive to USF. They only have so much money they can spend on their coaching staff. So to get someone that they don't have to pay is nice. And hey, it's someone with 45 years of experience in this area, well known as an offensive innovator. You know, Kim's legacy is much more, he only won one state championship yep. throughout his coaching career. And part of that isn't, you know, when he was at Roosevelt, there were multiple times he had the best team and everybody got hurt. He could have had a lot more championships. But Kim's legacy is his coaching tree. You know, you look at the guys, I, I mentioned it in that column, the last two state champions are both former Kim assistants. Kalen DePore, all these other guys, you know, I mean, Sioux Falls Christians coach, Jared Smith. Jared another Fredenberg, one. yeah. Yeah, Fredenberg, the state title. Benedetto, there's so many of yeah. them. Uh, the way, you know, you heard Chad Statham say it in my column, like he changed football in Sioux Falls. I'm, I'm you know, old enough now to, to remember that, you know, how, how crazy it seemed at the time when Kim came in running these spread offenses and three and four wide and throwing the ball 20 and 30 yeah, times a game. this is in the 90s at Washington. This is in the early 90s, and people weren't doing that. Yeah. And, and, you know, Kim's the old fart now, but when he came here all those years ago, he was the young guy, the the hotshot innovator, like, ooh, this guy's coming in to shake things up. And that's exactly what he did. Um, and to see the, the imprint he had on South Dakota – from a from a, a schematic standpoint of, of just changing the way we we play and coach football here to the influence he had on people who went on to become successful coaches themselves that says an awful lot to me that is going to be his ultimate legacy what was it like to play for him as his nephew hard yeah um, uh, not so much the the nephew part of it I he treated me like a player I treated yeah. him like a coach we got in one fight where I abused the fact that I was related to him and I ended up running laps because of it. Um, but other than that, you know, it was never a, an issue. Uh, I wasn't very good, so I didn't play very often. Yeah. You know, it sucked, but I, it was, you know, I, I never felt like I got screwed or anything like that. Uh, when I say it was tough, I mean, like, being a quarterback for him was demanding. The playbook was was hard. That was part of the reason I couldn't earn starting job. Like it was tough for me to master that playbook, mm. you know, because there were so many other. I was used to run right, run, run left, bootleg pass, you know, maybe three or four other plays. Kim had a '90s package, an '80s. That's what we call their pass plays back then. '90s package, '80s package. You had your '20s and '30s for your different running games, and then you had play action. And then halfway into the season, he would start adding things, and I'd be like, Jesus, you know, I, I don't even have the stuff we're doing right now done, and mm. you're adding more of it. 
Um, and that again speaks to you know wh how he was changing the game here, bringing things in. It was, you know, I, I always felt like when I started uh, watching football from a little more of an analytical standpoint, when I became a sports writer, uh, I had a little bit of a head start from having played for Kim. Wow! And covering him, what was that like? Um, Over overblown, maybe by the rest of us who think that would be interesting to cover your uncle. Yeah, or I mean, you I mean for, a, for a while, I tried to not cover his games if I could help it, just okay. to avoid that. But over the years, as sports stats shrunk, it became impossible. Yeah. Um, you know, it was. I, I always felt like I treated him the same. I didn't, you know, cover for him when he. But you know, he was winning most of the time. Right. It's not like I had to. And, um, and when he loses, and particularly big games where maybe his team was the favorite, you know, that happened a handful of times down the stretch uh, before this rough patch last two or three mm -hmm. years, where every a lot of kids from Roosevelt went to Jefferson and Roosevelt. You know, he Kim experienced some losing, consecutive losing for mm -hmm. the first time in his mm -hmm. career. Uh, but yeah, before that, you know, if he he he'd be the first guy to hold himself accountable. I mean, he almost uh, consistently. Mm -hmm. There, ne I never when I interviewed him after losses, it never it, it, he was never going to get defensive about it anyway. So there was one time a long time ago. It was one of his first years at Roosevelt. They lost the game, and I went into the locker room and asked to talk to him, and he was like, "Make it quick," hmm. and he was kind of a dick. I was like, "Geez," and. Uh, like he was, he was very much like, could you get out of my face right now? He didn't say that, but I was kind of surprised. But then I thought about, it, I was like, why should he? If that's how he's feeling, yeah. why should he be any different just because I'm his nephew? You know, well. like he didn't make it personal. <laughs> he just made it very clear, like, ask your questions and get out of here. I'm in a bad mood. When the know? answers are yeah. short and then they look you in the eye, after, right. it's right. like, yeah. All right, can you get the hint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, do you, do you got to go get Arthur? You got to go oh, get Arthur. Shit. Oh, Dude. Okay. Yes, I do. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Matt's going to walk off. Well, I'm going to encourage you to read his uh, suit. Uh, blame me. It's uh, it's that's okay. I like to let people in my life use me to blame for a lot of things, and uh, I'm happy to do that. SiouxFallsLive.com. Uh, I had a conversation for 45 minutes with Kim, uh, and, and if you want to really get a glimpse into his career, what makes his brain tick, what made him successful. Uh, and why he's so popular, why he's such a beloved coach and a football figure in this area. He really is, and he really felt it, and you can really sense it with every media article or TV piece that came out about him. Uh, 45 minutes, it's all mapped out there for you. KWSN.com slash podcasts. It's the uh, Prep Pods podcast page, KWSN.com slash podcasts. And uh, Kim Nelson, we did a full hour. It was our Saturday Coaches Show, which airs every Saturday night at 10 a.m. on KWSN. And usually we'll have seven or eight coaches. And this week it was just the Kim Nelson hour because he deserved it. And he did not disappoint with his storytelling and his candor about his career, why he hung it up. Uh, you know, Matt laid it out pretty well in his column a few days before that the migration of players from Jefferson, uh, Roosevelt to Jefferson, uh, losing more than he was used to, according to Kim in that article, that really wasn't what it was about. It was his always uh, career-long curiosity at the college game, and he found a college gig that, as Matt mentioned, he can be an offensive voice and brain in the room without having to have the full-time trappings, and that does include recruiting. And in fact, uh, I was going to tell Matt, his perception is correct. Kim actually did say he's not 
in this role as a volunteer assistant at USF. He's he doesn't think he's going to be asked to recruit much. Maybe when kids come on campus, but he but to travel around that doesn't excite him. That's not why he wants to do this. He'll do it if he has to, or if they make him or want him. But uh, but no, I think everything that Matt said about why this is finally a good fit for Kim uh, is. Correct. And also, you know, a lot of people look back again at the last two or three years at Roosevelt. It's been harder to win at Roosevelt because of Jefferson. Uh, But you will also get a sense within the first five minutes of that interview. I encourage you to listen to the whole 45 minutes Uh, because I just think it has nothing to do with me asking the questions. It was Kim's answers uh, made it to me a fascinating interview if you're a local football fan. Uh, especially a local football coach. You're going to learn a lot about coaching and developing a coaching career and style and attitude uh, just by what Kim recollects about his young days as a coach. But in those first five minutes, you can, you'll get a real sense of why uh, this now is finally the time for Kim to not be in the high school ranks and to give that one crack at age 67 after 45 years as a college head coach, high school head coach, to now be a college coach and an assistant coach for the first time in his life. He's never been an assistant coach. Uh, it's fascinating. And he talked about his uh, his reputation as an innovator and and how his football brain ticks. Uh, so kwsn.com slash podcast on the prep pods page. For the uh, Kim Nelson interview, if you're a local football junkie, uh, it's uh, I think it's a must listen, and I I know a few other people whose uh, whose judgment I I trust and value who thought the same thing. And uh, one thing we left on the cutting room floor of this podcast is the transfer portal. I mean, I, I, of course you've probably seen it the last three or four days. If you're a college football follower, it's berserk at the Power Five level. The millions of dollars it takes to uh, now lure in, uh, especially quarterbacks, the most important position on the field, that Ohio State's quarterback is either shoved out the door or leaves after one loss to Michigan. Um, it is crazy. Uh, Nebraska coach Matt Rule discussing how it's going to take 4 or $5 million if Nebraska wants a top-end quarterback. And uh, where does that leave P.J. Fleck and, and Minnesota? It, it's getting your collective together, that booster brain trust and, and bank account. Uh, are, these are heady times. I love it. I love the chaos. I love the Wild West of it. But I also, of course, it filters down into the FCS. And there was a report uh, from, uh, I believe, Sam Herter of Hero Sports mentioning six different NDSU players uh, are on the market and might require and might come up, uh, find a good chunk of change for them at uh, Power 5 schools. Tucker Kraft went through this a couple years ago at SDSU and had six, if not seven, figures on the table for himself at some of the best programs in the country. Uh, at least a couple, I think, who are uh, in the college football playoff this year, where he could be, but he decided to uh, to uh, grind things out at Brookings. Turned out okay for him, because another thing Matt and I didn't have time for is uh, Tucker Kraft getting a few catches in a Packers win over Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs on Sunday night. <laughs> and the mention of Timberlake, South Dakota, a couple times within those first 20 minutes of the broadcast. And, of course, Jack Cochran, for the Kansas City Chiefs had to call their defense uh, after their backup middle linebacker, green dot guy, uh, calls all the plays, was hurt. And so poor Jack Cochran, a lot of people feel uh, like not that there's no one player that's going to make a a difference in a loss like 
like the Chiefs had on Sunday. But it, it did hurt things that perhaps Jack not having the experience that's probably required to play that position well for a Chiefs defense that is its best defense in this Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl rush run the last half decade. Uh, the, the Chiefs defense, if not fell apart, certainly sagged back and just had a hard time getting off the field against the Packers. I feel terrible for Jack Cochran because a lot of people feel it's it not his fault of his own. It's more just the top two linebackers at that spot getting hurt. But uh, he was right in the middle of things, maybe not for the best of reasons. Uh, but it was still really, really cool to see the impact that the South Dakota's, the mark South Dakota's starting to can just make in a Sunday night football game. Tariko and Collinsworth, Chiefs and Packers, two major legacy NFL teams. Really cool stuff that I think we're just now starting to see and that we'll probably be getting used to. But when you know, Zim comes back next week, look, uh, Jack's in the transfer portal, Yotes in the transfer portal. What, uh, what are we hearing? What are we expecting? The circus continues. And uh, we will also have what should be a dynamite football game in Vermilion between the Bison and the Yotes to discuss. And we didn't get to what kind of challenge Villanova will present the Jacks. But, of course, read Matt's stuff, SiouxFallsLive.com. He will be uh, taking those deep dives as the week continues. And, look, uh, it's going to be close to sold out at the Dakota Dome on Saturday, if not sold out by the time you hear this. Yeah, I'd love to be there. I can't. I got. Uh, I got. I got. I have a spouse to support on Saturday. A choir concert to go to, uh, but uh, I'll be. So I will probably come here to the Gateway to catch the rest of it. Uh, as soon as the concert is over, uh, I'll be heading here to the Gateway Lounge. Uh, if you can't go, if you can't be there, this is the second best place to be. They know what they're doing. They're going to have the Jacks and the Yotes games here at the Gateway Lounge on Saturday. There'll be two feature games in college football on that Saturday anyway. Um, and it's going to be a great environment because, you know, local football fans, Jacks and Yotes fans who know their stuff are going to be there. It's going to be a great environment. And, of course, it will be every Sunday for the NFL. You're going to have Chiefs and Bills on Sunday. Vikings are back at it in an afternoon game in Vegas. Uh, if you you know, if you just don't want to try to manage it all yourself at home, you're going to be in Sioux Falls, you're going to be Christmas shopping, come to the Gateway right off the interstate, not far from the mall. Uh, it's, it's, they have their bleep together when it comes to providing multiple big sporting events at one time. And if you have a random one, chances are uh, they'll find one TV for you if you have one specific request, your random team that you want to watch. Uh, they've just got great on-top-of-its service here. Sing the praises a lot, it's partly because we do our podcast here, but uh, this was the case well before we were doing this podcast. And uh, I was at another establishment last Saturday in the area, a, a really good, fun bar and hangout otherwise. But for sports viewing, they had a bunch of TVs. Not one of them had the USD game. Not one. And then they spent the whole entire first half trying to um, find a way to get it on one of their TVs through uh, the web and Wi-Fi. They had Wi-Fi connection issues. And there were a few people there coming to see the Coyotes, rolling their eyes, twiddling their thumbs, and you're never going to get that, uh, especially if it's a Jacks or Yotes or local team of interest here at the Gateway Lounge. We'll be back next week. Thanks. Why are you laughing?
That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Casino round drinks? Yes. Yeah.